Welcome to Relentless Pursuit Podcast, Breaking Bread with C. This is our 12th episode, and last time we were talking about the metamorphosis of a believer. Today, I want to speak about reckless abandon. This is a message that the Lord has placed on my heart for the last couple of days. And as I was pondering on it, seeking for wisdom to release it as he explained it to me, the Lord was ministering to me, and he explained to me that there are places that a believer cannot reach because they do not know me. They think they know me, but they do not necessarily know me with that intimacy that I may enable them to tap into such graces. And as he was speaking to me, he opened my eyes to a scripture in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 21 and 22. And it says, Then say Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocence was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Verse 23 says, Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no matter um, no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. They cast them into the den of lions, damned their children, their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or over they came at the bottom of the den. Wow. So there are things <laughs> that you cannot do if you don't know God. There, there are certain believers that um, sometimes talk about healing, for example, and they're like, no, I don't believe God heals, or it's more comforting to think that someone died because it was God's will. And I totally understand where they're coming from because there's a place where you reach and trusting God, trusting that he's gonna do exactly as he says requires a background evidence that push your claim that God is exactly going to do as he said. Now follow me. What I'm saying is that there's a price that the believers are not always willing to pay, but they want the results that they see in others without necessarily knowing that there's been a certain work done in them by the Spirit of God that enables them to believe the way they do, to trust the way they do. So Daniel could not have gone all the way into the lion's den if he did not have a personal understanding and intimacy with God to reason that the lion's mouth could be shut for his sake. This is the same understanding that Father Abraham had when he took his son on top of the mountain and tied him on an altar and raised his knife to kill him. This is the understanding. The Bible even says that Abraham reasoned that he could raise Isaac from the dead. So the intimacy of Abraham with God gave him the confidence that because God said he will make me a great nation and this blessing must come out of Isaac because he'd already had another son Ishmael, he said, I reason that God might 
actually raise him from the dead because his word does not return void. So you see, there are people who want to move into these liberties and these powerful, um, the, the powerful demonstrations of the spirit at work within someone, but they detest the place of prayer. They detest the place of exercising their spirit in reading the word, in responding to matters with the word, in changing their understanding continuously. I myself have not even arrived to that place. And there are people who look at me and think that I got it all figured out. And yet the demand that is placed on my spirit tells me that I'm only searching, scratching the surface. So there are things that people are not going to be able to do. A believer, born again, tongue speaking, spirit filled believer is not going to dare to believe because they have not reached this intimacy with God that he is all that they had. I'm going to give you an example. I've always struggled receiving. I've always struggled receiving from my friends, receiving a good act, somebody buying something good for me or expensive. You know, I've always felt like, no, I cannot accept this. And it's always put a strain on most of my relationships with my friends, with my family, with my really close people, because they just want to, they are moved to give because you, 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 you inspired them or you've been a good friend or you've done something good for them. So why wouldn't they be able to give it back to you? And then one time the Lord is ministering to me. And this is a thing that I'm still dealing with, by the way, the Lord is dealing with it. It's not like it's completely gone. Don't get me wrong. Because if it's something that I have harbored all my life, then it's going to take some time for it to completely disappear. But then the understanding and the knowledge of how this dynamics work, it enables me to actually move forward or to take something and run with it. So the Lord is ministering to me um, one time. Actually, I think I was in the shower. One of the best moments that the Lord ministers to me is in the shower. I'm in the shower and then he says, you know, the reason why you struggle receiving is pride. And I'm like, how? What do you mean? I'm, not, I'm just trying not to have people spend their money. It's not really necessary. They can get me a very simple and cheap gift. But God was telling me, pride makes you think that you got it. Pride makes you think that you don't need help. Pride makes you think that you can give of yourself. Pride makes you think that you have enough wisdom, enough understanding, enough vision, enough counsel to do this thing on your own. This pride closes your eyes to the fact that I can come in the form of a gift. I can come in the, fo- in, the, in, the, in the form of a counsel from a friend. I can come in the form of somebody just telling you, let me know what you need and I will be there. You have not even tested that they will be true to their word. You have just rejected it because this pride keeps you thinking that you got it. But the moment you keep dying with me, I will definitely glorify you with myself. And the Lord was ministering to me, telling me how it becomes much easier when you are in the Lord, when you know that he will provide from the tiniest thing you need. If it's a toothbrush, if it's a car, you see, those are two extremities, right? And the Lord is just ministering to me, telling me, if you get to a point of 
understanding that you can even take me to buy a toothbrush the same way you would take me to a car dealership to buy a car you will have understood that actually receiving is worship in itself and this has transformed me this has transformed me and it it is making it much easier not only to receive material things but also to receive a word from someone a word that could have come from God but I did not refute it or I did not take it because I thought I got it you know so when I talk about pride in most of the podcasts that you have heard if you have listened to all of them it's because pride is always always the underlining factor that will always Um, stir sin to come up to the surface and most people most believers don't know that they're proud they don't understand that it's pride that's driving a certain thing to lack the lord does not intend for you to delay in some things and right now i've been open to the reality that there are places where i frustrated the blessings of god i frustrated my destiny i frustrated things that could have come to me much earlier because I moved with pride. He gives me a vision. He gives me a dream. He gives me a promise. He gives me something to hold on to. And then after grabbing it as a gift from God, I run to sustain it with my works. And that's not how it works. And so God is opening my eyes to the fact that there's an intimacy that you reach with God and you are so dead to yourself that you know that he's going to keep his word. You know that even if you must die. Now, Daniel or Shadrach or Meshach or Abednego, they could have simply said what the king needed them to say. They could have bowed to whatever was there to bow to. And then they go back in their closet and then they repent to the God who forgives, right? But they would have spared their lives from the from the fairy furnace or the, the, the lion's den, right? That's what someone could reason. They would be like, I'm going to say what they need me to say right here and I'm going to stay alive and then I'm going to go to my gracious, kind God who's going to forgive me, right? But this man reasoned that, look, I will not offend my God, come what may. And keep in mind that these guys are in the Old Testament. It means that the Spirit of God would only come upon them and depart. Unlike you and I who are under the New Testament dispensation where the Holy Spirit lives within us. So you're basically saying that. God is afraid of lions. You're saying that God is afraid of your financial situation. You're saying that God is afraid of your barrenness. You're saying that God is afraid of your frustrated marital destiny or is afraid of your children going astray. And that is impossible because God is all-knowing and everything is under his power. So until you begin to move with that understanding, that actually he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Replace he that is in the world with whatever problem that you look at and you feel like, man, even God cannot do this. Replace that word with he that is in the word. Replace that thing on that place where he says he that is in the world and look at it from the eyes of the spirit and say to yourself, he that is in me, Christ Jesus that is in me is still above this. 
Now, many believers, unfortunately, think that spirituality, and I think I talked about this with one of my friends, if you follow our IG lives, and she was um, discussing how so many believers think that spirituality is a clock, it's a jacket that you put on on Sunday when you're going to church, or when you're fellowshipping with your believers, with your friends that are believers, I mean, and when you are um, at a speaking conference of Christians, and then you got to remove it on Saturday or you got to remove it on Friday or you got to remove it on Wednesday when you're at work because you don't want to bore your colleagues. That is not right. You ask yourself something, you about to go put a tattoo and you ask the Lord, is this something that pleases you? So I have a tattoo. Those of you who know me know that. I have a tattoo. It's a verse. It's very small and um, it's just on my upper left hand arm and when i put that tattoo i don't think i was mature enough in the spirit but there was really no demand on me that was telling me that this is wrong plus it was a verse and it was a time of my life where i really felt like i need to have something that marks this moment and the doings of god that have happened in this season but then it really upset my family. It really upset everyone. And I remember um, my mother was the one that was so offended by it, so offended that she spent the time that I had home because uh, I had to travel back. And she was so offended that she wasn't speaking to me, right? And the Bible says, honor father and mother so that you may have a long life, right? So that it may be well with you. This is the only passage that has a promise tied to it so in doing so in as much as the tattoo itself is not the scene i realized that i had missed the window to ask god is this what you want for me is this communicating what you have called my life to be is this communicating the sacrifice on the altar that you want me to be giving because i carry a shrine through me which is the holy spirit and eventually when i wanted to get another one the spirit knowing that i'm more sensitive to it than when i did this about three years ago he told me all things yeah i I think it's paul who says it right all things um these things are allowed but they're not necessary right they're part of the permissible will right and the spirit of the lord begins to minister to me and i understand now that because i have this conviction in my heart it's not necessary that i put it on me now i'm not saying that if you have tattoos it's a problem no it depends on your personal relationship with god some things that he might ask me not to do are not for you they are personal conviction depending on the ministry upon my life or the things that god will desire me to do or say or the people that he needs to send me before and the reasons why i must appeal to them as a jar in which the treasures are stored right so let's move together on that but the confidence the confidence that i grew in the spirit that i figure god will make this work god will put a countenance upon me that will introduce me in the room before i even open my mouth or when i open my mouth people will encounter the spirit and they will want to hear more that's why the bible says that if your name be lifted high you will draw all men unto you 
And so the reckless abandon that I'm talking about is the one that permits you to trust God so much that you do not want to say what pleases the man today right now so that you can get away with it and then go back to apologize to God because you know that his grace is sufficient. I think it's one of the devotions where I was talking about grace being treated as a license to sin because you know that God is going to forgive, that every person in Christ is made new and the old has gone. And you repeat yourself these scriptures and then you wonder why certain things don't work in your life. If you have listened to an episode titled Truth and Principle previously recorded, I think must be the 10th or the 9th. We're talking about the truth and the principle that governs this truth. God is good. God is patient. God is kind. He's doing all these things. But in Ephesians 3.20, he says, I can do abundantly, exceedingly above even your wildest dreams as per the message version. But not by pushing you around, but by working within you by my spirit. So the Bible is telling you that there is a work that must be accomplished in you by the Spirit of God. And the more you're yielded, the more the results are going to be above, exceeding, and superabundant, even your wildest dreams, okay? So always look for the truth and the principle. And once you apply this to your life, it is stirring, it is fanning the fire of your faith to trust God in reckless abandon. So coming back to Daniel, he knew the God he trusted. There is a certain level of intimacy and personal relationship with God that brought Daniel to say, it does not matter if they throw me in the lion's den. I believe Daniel did not know that these lions will not devour him. But he was so convicted in the God that he has trusted that even if it had happened as that, he would still know that there was a purpose that was supposed to come out of that. The same with Shadrach or Meshach or Abednego when they were thrown in the fire and there was a fourth man with them. This is to say that the reckless abandon that happens requires a certain consecration in the life of the believer. Deep calls to deep. Deep does not call to shallow. And friends, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Lord may enable you, that he may lift you up on the rock that is higher than yourself, like David says, and that you're able to see him above your situation, that you're able to understand that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world, and that you're able to understand and grasp and run with the understanding that he is in you, and therefore where you stand, it becomes holy ground. Where you speak, it is as good as done because the Bible calls the things that are not as though they were. It's when you're in a situation, you're praising, you're approaching him with thanksgiving, even as the thing is being done, even as you're making your petitions known unto God, you start with the prayer and then you go with the supplication and thanksgiving. And then now you make the request known unto God. 
So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the transformation that is bringing in the lives of your sons and your daughters. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to deep, that deep calls us to deeper, that your word is the compass by which we move. And I thank you, Lord, that you are making your sons and your daughters aware to the consciousness, Lord, that you who dwells in them are so much greater than the situations, that they will enter the gates of praise with thanksgiving, that they will know that they are praying from a place of victory, not for the victory, because you have conquered. Lord, I speak a blessing over the heart that is exercising itself into the matters. I speak a blessing over the life of the person who sat down and listened to this and said, this is what I want to do. Amaze them, overwhelm them, be with them in this season and let us hear the testimonies of your goodness and your faithfulness. The Bible says that my people perish because of lack of knowledge and I pray against the lack of knowledge. The information is unveiled. The mysteries are demystified and the spirit of the Lord is available through us to guide us, to explain these things and to help us grasp them. I thank you that you hear me when I pray and it is so and it won't be otherwise in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around here. There's a a, a link where you can send your questions. You will see it whether you listen from Spotify, from Google Podcast. Whether you listen from Apple Podcast, it always gets to me, or you can reach us on our social medias. I will always be happy to respond, and I bless you and the rest of your evening, or your day, or your morning, depends on when you're listening to this, and I'll see you soon. God bless you.